Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals to another episode talking about the enemies of Sekiro. This time we're going to explore the Fountainhead Palace. Uh, I'm Alex and with me is my co-host Mimi. Ayo. <laughs> so this is a very special episode <laughs> because the Fountainhead is uniquely beautiful among the the landscape of uh, uh, Ashina. It's the best uh, FromSoft area in general, I think. Really? To me, okay. To you me. say top area in FromSoft. Yeah, yeah. No, I okay. think it's I think it's the best. Okay. To me. It's got it's got so much. It's so good. Well, it sounds like you got a lot of feelings of it. So, we're going to get into the enemies, but what let's just take this opportunity. What what do you love about this area? What what makes it so significant to you? It sucks cuz it's so on the outside, it's so beautiful and dreamlike and there's so much to love about the environment and i'm sure at one point it was this uh shining pinnacle of architecture architecture it just it just looks so beautiful but obviously on the inside and when you look a little deeper it's completely rotted you know Mm. like it's it's just corrupted on the inside which you know that shows up a lot in game you know something that looks pretty on the outside but is shitty on the inside Mm -hmm. so I think it's beautiful, but I know it's technically bad. You know, it is not a good place, (laughs) but it's got a lot of history and it's a very like ancient area that has a lot of it's got a lot of lore. It's got a lot of lore, but it really brings the fact that Japan had a lot of influence from China and even Korea. Um, And it really brings that motif and implication all together in fountainhead palace i thought the water motif in the game was really really good Mm -hmm. um but it really comes to a head and uh in fountainhead Uh (laughs) i also think that the colors are fantastic i've done like a lot of art studies on it because it's just so much fun to play around with also the cherry blossoms are so beautiful (laughs) they're so pretty but i think as an overall area it's just got a lot of charm and a lot to think about and you know it's the final area before the game uh is in its final stage mm-hmm. um you know it's the, technically the penultimate area mm-hmm. but it's it's definitely the best because it's like oh this is this is so pretty but also fuck my life <laughs> yeah it is it is the peak both uh architecturally you know it's the furthest it's the uh, uh furthest altitude wise uh, uh the tallest thing but also it is this you know, a, a spiritual peak too. Like literally, uh, you have to have a what is the the rope guy? What is he called? Shimanawa, the Shimanawa man. Shimanawa man. You literally have to have this, you know, uh, servant of the divine deliver you there. And then for the the fight with the dragon, you literally have to meditate in order to. So it's like this divine spiritual experience. And when you come out of it, you have to do another descent if not necessarily into, at least close to the underworld in in the last fights. Yes. I mean, it would be fun. I mean, I can give like a brief theoretical history of like some of it's canon and some of it is just little bits of spice from me because there's there's a long, long history of, of Fountainhead. Well, dish, go off, queen. Yeah, we, we used to talk about, we've talked about how that's where the snakes lived originally. They used to be the top gods, right? Yeah, they were they were the top kami of the area. And then the divine dragon washed up on shore and descended 
or actually ascended mm-hmm. onto Fountainhead and kicked the snakes out. And this sort of thriving uh, culture sprung up around it, which gave birth to the, you know, another type of folk religion in Ashina. So, you know, you can tell that by the all the structures that this used to be a grand, beautiful place that, you know, even the stuff underwater tells you that this place used to be great. And my theory was that you could like technically get in and out of there pretty easily mm-hmm. um, because you do have items such as the uh, Dragon Merchant's Tally, which tells you that they used to have trade. And, you know, there's actually like a staircase that leads down from Fountainhead that is obviously not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It It's actually like a if you think about it, it's like a bigger version of Hirata where I told you that the servants lived in the first part. And then you ascended into the noble, uh, the the court, which is very similar to how Mibu is to Fountainhead. Mm. And then eventually what ended up happening was people more than likely started taking advantage of this immortality shit, um, as well as the water itself being like corrupted. Like we'll talk about this later, but we see that the dragon is kind of sick looking. Yes. Like there's parts of it that look sick and rotted. That really points to the corruption that probably wormed its way into Fountainhead itself. And there's like a very brief mention of how there was a war between Ashina and the Fountainhead Palace, which yes. was probably when connection was severed. You know, you couldn't just access it anymore. They just completely severed it and they never had contact with them again outside of when Tomoe and Takeru descended from Fountainhead. That's that's a very brief history. I'm sure there's more to it, but in terms of a timeline, it would probably be the the Ashina and uh, Fountainhead War was around the end of the Heian period, mm-hmm. which actually reflects on the Genpei War that was happening at the time, which actually was a sort of power struggle between samurai and the nobility so the show the shogunate versus the the emperor and power so i'm, I'm gonna say it was probably at the end of the heian period which was like the late 12th century okay that's also indicative by what the okami women are wearing as well as what the palace nobles are wearing which all lines up with late heian period attire so that's a great kind of it, it pins it in some sort of timeline because Fountainhead most certainly is this place that's frozen in time, as you see by the literal immortal people, the immortal dragon, as well as the fact that there's cherry blossoms in bloom. And it's obvious, very obviously winter down in uh, Ashina. Yes. Um, That's just a brief history, brief history lesson. Yeah, it's fabulous. I love that parallel. Uh, uh, the I, I didn't know about the Genpei, um, because like it, it is the same. Like it's not what's it called? Ishim. He would be terribly old if he was alive yeah. in the Heian period. But like his equivalent at that time, those samurai were fighting against the pot nobles and the Okami women. Yeah, and and I just really, I think that as the religion evolved because Ishin had mentioned that they did worship the water mm-hmm. and we were heretics. Yeah. They were heretics and they were weak. It, it's heretic. It's heretics to, you know, like it's, it's animism. It's definitely animism, but it's considered heresy to 
the main of Japan, I'm mm-hmm. assuming is what he's saying. So it's just more a matter of it was a folk religion that evolved over time, but up in Fountainhead Palace, it mostly stayed the same. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 interesting. It's also interesting that, you know, I say Fountainhead Palace is frozen in time, but only so much mm-hmm. because obviously parts of the palace are just fucked up, mm-hmm. including the sunken bits and things have technically there is change that we'll, we'll technically go over as we go through. But it's supposed to represent immortality and how it corrupts. Yes. And like even I think even immortality is like an illusion, like nothing is truly forever, yes. you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Even gods. Uh, uh, man, that's so awesome. And I love that that symbolism of or, or that imagery, at least that like the water, the lifeblood of Ashina, the you know, even that is slowly eating away at this palace. Like there's other factors. There's the war and there's the carp and everything. But the water itself is just like bringing the palace down into it and and dissolving everything slowly in its brine. It's so cool. Okay, well, fascinating. Thank you. Let's get started then. Let's talk about uh, the first thing. So that the way we get up here, right, is we have uh, assembled all of the ingredients. We've gone back. Kuro has given himself a little nick on his uh, chest with the uh, mortal blade. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we have created this incense. And now by meditating, kind of praying, right, we get this rope man to uh, come down and uh, deliver us up onto this plateau or I guess mountaintop. And the first thing we get to is a very eager uh, greeter uh, uh, would work really well at a Walmart. Uh, Mm -hmm. We get this corrupted monk. (laughs) Uh, Now, we already fought the corrupted monk, and we mentioned her very briefly um, because we fought the illusion version. But now we have to fight her proper, and gosh, is it just a whole different beast. Like, one phase was hard, three phases is... I don't know. When I fought it over the top, this was a boss that took me at least an hour of struggling, probably had to put it down and come back to it, you know, the next day or a week later or something. Her her Japanese name translates directly to sinful priestess. Sinful priestess. With mm. the two characters in front, meaning offending the Buddhist commandments. Um, <laughs> which is, whew, okay. So evocative. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's very specific because kan- kanji is like that. It just, you know, once you take away one character, it might mean something different. But yeah, yeah. So so it's revealed when you kill her, her real name is Yao Bikuni, which is a fun, fun little tale. Um, which is the legend of the 800-year-old nun. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure Yaobikuni literally translates to eight-year, 800-year-old nun. But I, ca- I can't remember off the top of my head. So essentially, mermaids in Japanese mythology are called ninyo. Okay. And they're not like Western mermaids where they're like, ooh, seductive temptresses. Mm. Not really. They usually are just like face of a person on the body of a fish <laughs> much less sultry yeah it's it looks like the you know the, what is it like the cement the sea what is the what is the fucking name of the video game that has the little fish with the with the faces on it seaman 
The sea, yes. <laughs> Horrifying. What game? are you talking about? Oh my God, please watch. Yeah, the Seaman game. They look like that. Um, so Yao Bikuni's father, when she was younger, caught a Nino. She was, he was a fisherman. He brought it to a gathering so that people could eat it. But I think someone found out that it was a Nino and they said, like, don't eat it. That's bad. Um, mm-hmm. You could be cursed. So no one eats it except for Yao. You know, like nothing really happens at first, but she marries a husband and he grows old and he dies, but she doesn't. Mm. And then she marries another husband. He grows old. He dies, but she doesn't. So essentially she lives for several hundred years before deciding to become a nun and which 800 years later, she actually dies, but it's framed as a curse. It's not a good thing. Um, the whole uh, the whole part of that legend is just, they're like, yeah, don't eat it. It's cursed. And, and the curse itself that they're mentioning is just immortality, which mm-hmm. is bad. We don't want that. So that's implied, Yogi Kuni is implied to be immortal from eating flesh of something or just eating, eating something that made her immortal and she might have been invited or just stumbled upon Fountainhead and they're like, hey, you want to you want to card this for us? And she deal. did. She, yep. Yep. Because then that guarantees uh, she's for the most part left alone. Um, stable job, you know, independent lady. Yeah. Independent lady. She's she's a gaslight gatekeep girl boss sort of bitch. <laughs> I mean, it also just um, it might just align with her and, you know, she's just the the, the guard dog. Mm-hmm. But when you fight her, the third phase, mm-hmm. it's revealed that she has a centipede living in her. Mm-hmm. She has multiple centipedes living in her because she'll actually spit them at you. So that's what she ate, technically. You know, centipedes aren't really niños, but they are <laughs> They are delicious, I guess, because everyone keeps fucking eating them. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I think they're the the implication, right, is that they're like spawned into things people are eating, right? Like their eggs are in the sediment. They're fed to you, yeah. Because oh, okay. in the Hanbei manga, they show it that like a senpo priest fed like a young starving Hanbei his centipede that's in him right now. What? That's yeah. horrifying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's so much worse than I thought. So you have to eat it. You have to ingest it, which is <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah I, I always imagined it was like eggs or, you know, like the the mermaid flesh or the carpet. I mean, it's eggs. It is eggs that they deposit in you. So it's <laughs> mm. immortality ain't worth it, baby. No, no, no. absolutely not. If, if no, there's no. centipedes involved, just say no, kids. <gasps> just say no. She's got a very beautiful design, though. I mm-hmm. think she's got a very although it's very like she's massive. Yeah, and she's like mask. the size of Al. She's like yeah, nine yeah, feet she's, tall. She's technically like a little, just like vaguely viscerally horrifying to look at. Mm-hmm. She's got a Hanya mask, which is interesting because that represents like a jealous woman who's turning into a demon. She doesn't ah. actually have to be jealous or anything of the sort, but she is like in some respect a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, She does have a face modeled underneath. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's really, it's very pretty. Like, it's a very pretty face. So it's just, another thing is her skin is blue. And that is another indication of she's been alive for a little too long. Because a lot of the other long-lived inhabitants of the palace are blue. Oh, I see. Yes. 
she she's got a really i just i really do like her design she's got the naginata mm-hmm. she's got the buddhist priest out, she's actually got a priestess outfit it's it's very it's very nice it's interesting that she doesn't have she doesn't have a shaved head you can see hair poking out from under her cowl Mm -hmm. like she is not following buddhist doctrine usually when you're a buddhist nun you shave your head so she her not having a a shaved head is like she's just given up (laughs) she's given up on shaving it she's like fuck it whatever we balling i live out here in the gatehouse on my own like yeah yeah who's who's gonna stop me who's gonna judge me bitch you I'll, i'll beat you up um she actually her design the fact that the centipede pops out of her 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 head specifically and lingers there reminds me of uh lady fujiwara from kuon which is another FromSoft title that mm-hmm. has deals with fuck ass centipedes <laughs> and also in the hay said in the heian period so that makes sense if you look up the design for Lady Fujiwara, she is fucking horrifying to look oh at. Oh my gosh. She's horrifying. So she had, much worse than the Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> She's just like this lady in robes that are like half hanging off of her and her body is like extended. And then where her neck is supposed to be is like, like a centipede. She looks like an accordion. Ugh. It's just upsetting. Yeah. Anyone, anyone listening, look up this design, not while you're eating. Yeah. Don't do that. I mean, honestly, a lot of found, I, I wouldn't eat during this episode in general because there is some nasty <laughs> shit that happens. It's the most beautiful and the most profane place. It's Yeesh. taboo in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, it's bad. But Lady Fujiwara herself wasn't like inherently evil. She just ended up being corrupted, unfortunately. Um mm-hmm. Much like the monk, where she might not have been evil to begin with, but she's perpetrating a very evil cause. So it's just kind of nasty. The last phase is gross because she she like throws up. <laughs> she throws up centipedes on you. And oh, causes yeah. She's got a terror. Attack. She causes. Oh. Yeah, she has. the She causes terror, which to be fair, if someone threw up on me, I'd be the same way. If someone threw up on you and then you realized the throw up was full of centipedes. Yeah, calling no, all over I'd you, be I would die be, immediately. I would, yeah, I would be crying. I would not be happy. Instant heart attack. If you guys actually want to look up like a better, this is this is cool. So if you want to look up a better design or just like a more in-depth look at her design, they actually had an 11 foot tall statue of the corrupted monk. Stop. Uh, during, I think during E3 in, in 2018. Um, you can find pictures of it. I would love to have just like an 11 foot tall statue in my, in my room. Just hanging out. Um, yeah. She guards, she no longer guards the gates of Fountainhead. She guards the door. She's got Buddhist prayer beads as well that she keeps with her, which is interesting because again, she she she's not really holding them. They're just around her wrist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, when you rub the 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 Buddhist beads to when you rub the beads together, it's like an ohm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you know, aids in meditation and prayer, but she she never really uses them. She just has them around her wrist. Mm. Her attacks are really cool because they they're very graceful for someone that big, and they stir up the maple leaves. It's a very beautiful arena, and it harkens back to the beginning, the the opening cinematic, which is the last time we saw these. Like, oh my gosh, this like conglomeration of maple leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I actually bought. I mean, don't judge me, but I actually bought a Japanese maple for my front yard. That's uh, several years ago that 
is still thriving today. Um, That's wonderful. And it turns this color for a good majority of the year. It's it's a nice arena. It's big enough where it's you have space to move. There's a few spots where it's like the tree branch blocks your way, so you better be good at deflecting and understanding her rhythm. Mm-hmm. I think the second phase can be a little challenging if the like because you can death blow her from above and if you go with that strategy sometimes the little hook marker doesn't appear in time and then you get clapped so yes because that that shadow version attack of hers is very hard to avoid huge naginata huge Mm -hmm. like the blade itself is massive yeah um it's definitely used for you know skewering you (laughs) so you know and that's also like a very popular web weapon of not only women but monks so yeah she's she's cool i think she's a great introduction to fountainhead i don't really mind that i tech this is technically the fec- second time fighting her i think it's fine because it it fits a little better it's understandable why she's in mibu village because she's guarding like the only way to get up there mm-hmm. uh Oh, yeah, kind of. It's like Morgoth adjacent where like their conjured phantom like blocks your way. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then when you fight the real thing, you're like, oh, oh, this shit, is this is hard. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, she's very cool. Um, And I, I, I agree with you. I like that. Like when I saw her again, my heart sank a little bit, but realizing that it was like uh, this was the true form of the monk and that you know the the fight would be more intricate it was it was a joy to get to learn it um i do still struggle with the syncopation of her rhythm and the fact that she has like she's one of the she's a bigger boss so she really has poise like you know what's his name uh uh Owl, you can nick out of a lot of his attacks if you catch him at the right moment but her you really need to deflect and stay on your guard because you're not going to stop her from doing an attack. Yeah. She's she's bulky too. She's just like she hits like a truck. Yes. She, she's a really good boss that makes you feel the heft, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially gosh, again, that weapon. It is just enormous and the the force with which it comes down is uh you really feel it. It's it's great uh conveyance. Okay. All right. So we ha- we defeat the corrupted monk. We uh we cheese her second phase with the glitch, whether or not they they intended it to be in here there. Uh, and then we struggle through the third phase, and finally the gate opens, and we are treated to one of the most beautiful oh, vistas, yeah. maybe the most beautiful shot in the whole game. No, it is. I think I think outside of probably like Landell, mm. um and and uh. Anne Orlando, the Irithel, uh Pan, even uh, Senpo has it. Um, Dark Souls Two had, I, I would say, uh, Drang Lake Castle, mm-hmm. and then Bloodborne had uh, just, <laughs> just Yarnum. <laughs> oh yeah, Yarnum in general. <laughs> for a company that is known for rewarding you for your progress with a beautiful view, like this is among the top, if not the prettiest that they've ever made. I think it's the best. It's the most colorful. I think it's the most colorful and it's just, it pops. Oh it really yeah, pops. gorgeous. If you, you, you know, there, 
it's not a drab game, but it is winter in most of Ashina. So like you do get just a lot of white and gray. And then all of a sudden there's all this blue and green and pink. And it, it it's breathtaking. Uh, and from up here, like you can see that, it, you know, the palace isn't whole from up here if you're looking really closely. But from up here, it still looks really nice. It really looks majestic. And I think it's really beautiful that you fight the corrupted monk at this gate, and then you have to descend down this broken, what probably used to be a staircase, down to the temple or the the palace grounds proper. So you get this beautiful view from on high, and as you go down, you just start to see, oh, this building's broken down, and this building's broken down, and oh my gosh, half of it is underwater already. It's a really wonderful uh, uh, change of perspective as you descend. Yeah, from a distance, it looks, you know, it's okay. It looks like it's got a big lake in the middle, but it's, you know, it's beautiful. And you're right. Once you get closer, you're like, oh, shit, this place sucks. (laughs) (laughs) There's no one to do upkeep. We have warrior women and we have parasitic nobles. I mean, I just think they don't give a shit. I really don't think they care. I think they're just like they're gone. They're lost. You know, I really think half the time it's just more of a routine sort of thing where they're mindless and they're they're doing exactly what they've done in the past without thought. Except the Okami women, I think they actually probably have a little bit of uh, sentience to them with what they're doing. So I want to mention where this is from. So this what Fountainhead is inspired by specifically and it's inspired by Itsukushima Shrine, um, okay. which is a, a beautiful shrine on the water in Miyajima, Japan. It's, again, famous in the Heikei. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very popular, famous spot um, that is mentioned in the Heikei. Mm-hmm. Um, and is actually, I'm pretty sure this is the Tyra. The Tyra built it, who were nobility and not sam- and not like full-on samurai. Okay. So it's, you know, it's a very big symbol of nobility. The shrine, yeah, the shrine right now is supposed to be attributed to Taira no Kiyomori. So if you look at pictures of it, it's just this beautiful complex on the water. Mm-hmm. And it's actually where nobles would live. And you can actually see where the inspiration for Fountainhead came from. It's got very similar uh, motifs, uh, colors, it's got a, it's considered like a shrine so it's mm-hmm. very it's very sacred place um and it's got a big shinto gate out in the water and when the tide recedes you can walk through it it's really wow. cool so that's that's the place it's based on the most it's beautiful it's very famous like i'm sure a a, a japanese player would recognize it pretty yeah. pretty quickly yeah also the fact that like the later part of the palace is so tall is so cool like mm. They built that. They built that. <laughs> they built that thing to last. But yeah, we get closer and we like kind of hear the the flute that we had heard in the forest, the mist forest. Ah, and yes. we come upon our first uh, noble who gives you the suck. <laughs> he gives <laughs> you the old suck. He'll sap the youth from you. Um, and he will then come after you and kill you so that, you know, you can't recover. Um, and you can't. You, I mean, you can recover, but, like, he will, like, murder you straight up. 
But when you recover, if you are able to get a lucky hidden, you can steal your youth back from the the palace noble by eating him. He sinks his teeth into him. That's, that's the most feral shit you see Wolf do in game outside of eating raw rice. It's oof. So the fun part about the palace nobles is there's two kinds. The first one you see is the one with the blue palace robe. And they've, they're very shiny. They have this almost bioluminescence going on. Mm. And they're only vaguely human. Just vaguely. They have two sets of arms. Yeah, they have two sets of arms. And they have these hollow, hollow eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and their fucking face is just fucked up. Do they have legs um, or they have little tentacle things? They have little tentacles. Okay. They're not. So they're like mini seats. Yes, they're very similar. It's kind of interesting because palace nobles back in the Heian period, when they would walk, it looks like they shuffle. So it's, you know, it fits because uh, <laughs> of their pants. Their pants are really, really long and they throw behind them. They're wearing pa- they're actual noble attire. I mean, it's it's Heian noble attire. Traditional. Okay. It's it fits. Historically, it fits. They're also wearing a sort of piece of cloth or a little obi around their waist. I, I don't think that's the proper term for this exact piece of clothing, but it has little phoenixes on it, which oh. are another and polonias. Now, phoenixes are actually those are symbols of immortality, and they're they're all over Fountainhead. They're f- actually feminine symbols, but they're big symbols of a good ruler and immortality. Mm. And Polonias are actually used in noble. I'm pretty sure using noble symbolism. Polonias are considered in Chinese mythology to be the only tree that the phoenix will land on when it comes to earth. Ah, okay. Um, it symbols the office of the pr- prime minister, I think. Okay, but that's that's way later, so it doesn't actually fit in here. So the these nobles specifically are. They're a little, they're fucked up looking, but they're they're cool because they're like bioluminescent. They're playing a cool little tune. The exact instrument that they're using is called the Ryuteki, okay. which is supposed to symbolize in Gagaku music, which we'll talk about, the ascension of a dragon. Because I'm pretty sure Ryuteki literally just means ascending dragon. Interesting. <laughs> so it's in, it, you know it's that was very purposeful for them to pick. Uh, so that's why they're playing it. Cause I think that they think if they do the doot doot long enough, <laughs> the do the doodly do, uh, they'll be able to do it. They'll be able to become a dragon, Interesting. Um, which is kind of what they're morphing into. Not really, but it it's supposed to be just like a fucked up version of the dragon. Cause you know, the dragon has multiple arms. Typically most dragons have multiple arms. And they're very snake-like. Mm-hmm. These these guys, they're they're half fish, half snake, which are both attributed to dragon. Like they have dragon attributes. So. Right, right. But they're missing key components. Like uh, yes, uh, you not... know, fans of Dark Souls will note that they're missing the scales that grant yes. certain aspects of immortality. Yeah, the the blue nobles are what we encounter here. Yeah, let's save off the red nobles because we'll, yes, we'll talk about that scene when up. we come across it. <laughs> okay, I have something to say about there's this very small, almost insignificant looking altar in the first house, the first complex. Okay, tell me. It looks like an astrologer's set, 
like uh, uh, East Asian astrology. Mm-hmm. And it's got incense. Um, It's got the uh, Ofuda on it that I'm pretty sure it's the same ones that you see. I can't remember if it's the ones you see on the sculptor or if the sculptor's house or if it's the one you see on the rope man. I can't remember. Okay. But it has the this astrology tool with the sim- with the symbol of the big dipper on it. Now, in astrology, eastern astrology, it's considered to be a, a symbol of enhanced sight as well as your third eye. So that oh. possibly, possibly, I'm not saying definitely, be where they spy on the 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 normal world from. Oh, I see, like a vantage point where yes, they a use sight their beyond sight. sight. Wow, got a little lion going on. Okay, cool. Big Dipper, give me sight beyond sight. Uh it's small, it's insignificant, um, but it could possibly mean something. From soft, you devil. Yeah, gosh, the <laughs> set dressing is just so intricate amazing we also have like these palace lanterns they're very pretty they give off this really ethereal green light Mm -hmm. and there's fireflies surrounding it and fireflies are supposed to be spirits oh really okay yeah 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 they could be like little spirits and they're supposed to be they could be the form of soldier the souls of soldiers who have died in war Mm -hmm. we don't know but you have technically two ways you can go right now, but like one of them will lead to a literal dead end. You can go through the complex and over the rooftops towards the other buildings, or you can try to go straight in the water and you can see how that works out for you. <laughs> if one thing doesn't get you, the other one will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. So uh, uh, skulking around the palace grounds, uh, we have these nobles. They have powers, right? They obviously, uh, they, they have predatory, parasitic powers, but they are ineffectual physically. And almost on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, but no less transformed, we also have the Okami women. They're so cool. They I are think, very cool. I think they're cool. So are they... Like, I, I guess I was always confused whether they're the same speed. Like, they were all human at some point. Yes. But like, it, yes. Is this correct. two divergent paths for them? Like, they're the same clan, maybe. And like, women of the clan have this physical transformation. Maybe. I think it's just more of a, I think Okami women specifically are actually their own people. Okay. Um, as they're denoted by mo- features, like notable features such as their good eyesight and their agility and speed um, and fighting prowess. I think, it's not even I think, it's a, I know, when you drink the waters, like the specifically the water of the palace, you become this shit, um, this sort of fish, the fishy long-necked thing. Okay. Um, this half dragon sort of thing. The not quite a dragon, but still a you know, we're getting there sort of situation. Mm-hmm. But they're they're interesting. Um, I love their design. Obviously, they're probably my, f- I think they're my favorite enemy to fight. I think mm. so. They're just so cool. And I talked about how they, they might still be at least somewhat sentient. The first time you see them is you're on the roof. Mm-hmm. There is a two of them on one side that are just in Seiza position they're just stancing they're just okay. on their on their knees stancing and then on the other side you have two okami women you have one who's sitting on the edge she's drinking oh. she's drinking having a good time 
And then there's one on this destroyed bridge that's dancing um, in this very flowing, graceful pattern. We've touched on Gagaku very briefly. It's it's a type of Japanese music that actually the Ryuteki fits into. And it's it's considered only for nobles and cor- the courts. Mm. You would never see it outside of the court um, in the Heian period. Mm-hmm. You'll see a lot of elements of Gagaku music, as well as this lady is dancing the Bugaku style, which goes along with Gagaku. It's kind of the mishmash of a lot of different styles, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, Indian. It's got it's got a lot of mishmash, but obviously mm-hmm. the two big ones we're focused on are China and Korea. Right. So she's down there doing her little dancey dance to the flutes and the music. <laughs> it would be funny if that's just like the music playing over the loudspeakers at Fountainhead Palace. <laughs> <laughs> They're just dancing, and obviously you can take them out if you want, or you can just go right past them. But if you decide to fight, fight them, you're going to encounter your first hint of like, hmm, this seems a little familiar because Tomoe was an Okami woman of some mm-hmm. sort who, you know, did not imbibe in the waters and thought like my family's a little fucked up. Ew. <laughs> I'll get my uh, immortality from another source. Yeah, no, you. I'll actually yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go kosher. I'm going to get organic immortality, bitch. Mine comes from a young prince. Yes, it comes. I'm going to get my immortality from a young little boy. Love it. <laughs> um, They stance like Genitro, but it, but it's actually the opposite. It's Genitro stances like them. He they they take the same stance that he does when they fight you. They fight like him. Mm-hmm. So it's actually interesting that it doesn't feel like, oh, this is a copy paste of Genitro. It makes sense lore wise that they are like this. Because Tomoe was an Okami woman and she was Genichiro's mentor. So you encounter the sword, the sword variation first. They're pretty vicious, you know, but they're they're graceful while they do it. They're very like, oh yeah, this is a <laughs> they could probably whip my ass. Oh yeah. And then the second variation you get is the bow, and they have excellent form. You can see it's a very big bow. And that mm-hmm. is that is normal. That's an actual normal bow in Japan. Because <laughs> people are like, oh, this is a fantasy bo- bow. No, no. <laughs> no, it is not. It yeah, is that's real. a long bow. That's a war bow. Their arrows have little sakura. They're yeah, they're the yanone. They have little sakura emblems carved into them. Oh my gosh. Everything is so intricate. Yeah. And I, I've talked about in the past how the Okami women don't have too many metal accoutrements on their shit. They mm-hmm. have it near their head. Okay. As you can tell by Genichiro, it traveled through his back as well as his arms, so they mm-hmm. don't have it anywhere near most of the places that it could strike um, if you're doing it right. But it's it's just like little gold increments. It's beautiful armor. Mm-hmm. Technically, their shirts should be... Their their kimono should be a little more vibrant, but obviously this is old. It's old shit, so it's not like pure white, pure blue. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little raggedy. When you get further into Fountainhead, you actually see better attire from the ones that can wield lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, that have a more vibrant color. Yeah, it's very but, purple. Mm-hmm. On the architecture itself, you actually see like little little dragons. <laughs> <laughs> little dragons of the tree on the ends of the roofs. You also see this. And now listen, this is also 
in in Ashina itself on a lot of it, you can see it on Ashina Castle. The the tomoe, which is those three little commas in a circle. Okay. That's supposed to be a protective symbol mm-hmm. on your house. It's also a I think it's actually called the yeah, if it's a it's a if it's a set of three, it's a Mitsu Domoe. It's associated with multiple things. It's associated with the war god Hachiman, the war kami, um, who he's referenced a little bit, just a bit, not a whole lot. He's not really mentioned that much, but it is he is an important kami, probably specifically to Ashina, who is a very warlike place as well as Ishin, who just loves fighting loves right. it loves, loves fighting it. it's his favorite thing <laughs> yeah the god of war and archery he's connected with the number three it's also commonly displayed on banners related to amaterasu the video game character <laughs> amaterasu omikami the goddess of the sun the kami of the sun and most of it is actually centered on water. The The third element of the Mitsudomoe is water because of the swirling pattern. Mm, and it's okay. actually a charm against fire, as are like a lot of the fish you see uh, that you can hook on to. They're also linked to Magatamas. You've probably seen a Magatama. They're very, very common symbolism as well as motifs in a lot of Japanese media. Mm-hmm. Uh, their beads, their their beads, or they'll call them jewels. Okay, they were like religious objects. That I think were channeling tools. I think this is one of the reasons why I really love Fountainhead is because there's just so much shit. So oh, much. Yeah. There's so much shit. You can explore. Um, yeah, and also the the lotuses growing there makes sense because it's one of those uh beautiful things growing in shitty places. Mm-hmm. I think for the time being, it's just the ladies with the sword or the the bow they'll use both alternatively if you're dealing with more than one of them they get a little challenging oh my gosh absolutely especially if one of them has a bow and you and the other one takes you like your blocking takes you far away like they'll draw a beat on you and mm, it 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 can be a bad day and they they typically come in pairs more mm-hmm. than one and and that's smart cuz if they're going to be doing guard duty it would make sense that there's two of them Mm-hmm. Just in case. Yeah. And sometimes they're also escorting a palace noble and they try to keep you busy while the palace noble sucks out your youth. Gives you the suck. Gives you the suck. They have yeah, little growths on them, like tree roots. The Okami women? Yes. They have little tree roots. They'll um, You'll see like little boils that have tree roots coming out of them. Everything becomes a tree in From Software. Okay. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Everything, everything, you know, return to crab, return to tree, same thing. <laughs> um, and so do the um, the palace nobles, do they not have those roots? Um, they do. It looks like it almost kind of looks like hair. Oh, OK. It's trailing out of their their little tentacles, but they're not boils. They're like, you know, they're just growing naturally out of their little, little tentacles. Yeah, naturally, we'll put that in quotation yeah, marks. Natural, <laughs> organic. <laughs> organic <laughs> tree root growth. Yeah, no, we got you. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, and also skulking around the palace, not on the same level, but no less transformed, we find dogs. 
And these dogs can spit lightning from their face. And, and they have faces. They have human faces. Wait, what? I thought it was just like a triple jawed uh, friggin fish face. It's a human face. <laughs> it is like they have like a human face. They have human teeth. Yeah, they look like that. They basically just have a, like almost like a copy paste of the palace nobles, but they're not. They're 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 a little. Ooh, they're they're also this really horrifying to look at. They have magatamas on them again, like a little collar. Oh yes, with this with this beautiful uh, uh, teardrop symbol. Yeah, you know they're not too hard to deal with, but as soon as they start chucking lightning at you, it gets a little difficult. Mm-hmm. They're easy to avoid, but they're not always easy to deal with yeah, especially because you fight most of them in like a watery area with you know water up to your ankles so yeah even if they miss you with the lightning they can still splash damage you yeah yeah magatamas are ancient japanese symbols that represent the avoidance of evil and the magic of good fortune in shinto traditions mm. and i think possibly channeling back in the back in the day um yeah these dogs <laughs> terrifying i love the brilliant blue of their uh uh their necklace their collar though it's like uh maybe it's supposed to be like lapis lazuli possibly um it could just you know it could be like a precious glass or Mm. um something of the sort um but you're right it more most likely is it could be a precious gem but it more than likely is lapis it's not necessarily the right color for it though also, look at look at the side view of this fucking thing. Uh, it's, it's like one of those Popeye goldfishes. <laughs> oh Jesus! Ooh, ooh, <laughs> no! My goodness! Yeah, it's 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 the I don't know if they're empty, but the they're def- at least recessed. It's the emptiness of the eyes that gets me. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things could be straight out of Kuan too. God damn! Um, yeah, so they're. A little, a little more annoying than normal dogs because they can spit lightning at you. Um, but they're no, uh, uh, no more difficultly dispatched. Like you, they just go down in one hit like uh, uh, regular dogs. Yeah. Awesome. I love these guys. They're they're awful, but I I just I love how surprising they were. You're like, oh dogs. Oh oh, what are they doing? Oh no. Okay, let's see. We talk about Palace Nobles and we're going to get back to them eventually. Okay, so we clear out the first section. It's not the palace proper, but it's the palace grounds. You know, uh, uh, we're Meebu going Manor. through. Oh, Meebu oh, Manor. Manor. Okay. And before we try to cross the water, uh, we can run into a little mini boss. We can run into a tragic looking and horrifying sacred bull. What the fuck is up with this thing? Why does it have a skull face? Well, um, it's an old bull. Okay. The reason why its face looks like that, and it is very, it's kind of, it's cool. I mean, it's cool, but also scary. Um, is because the nose is the first thing to rot off when things die. Ah, okay. So this thing's been around for a while and obviously has some sort of sacred property um, because it's got a whole branch attached to it, lit by divine flame. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's. I feel like if if they broke off a piece of the ever blossom, that's like str- not good. You're Mm-mm. not supposed to do that, so I don't Mm-mm. think they would do that. It takes from the power of the divine dragon a little too much. It's a no no. It's a no no. Even to the 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 fucks in this place, they they do not go past a certain threshold of badness, mm-hmm. e- evil, corruption. 
but it looks kind of like that because it's you know probably drinking the palace water because it's got that again it's got that weird like gray blue hue and right. to its skin and, and a little bit of bioluminescence but its face is rotting off because it's probably been there for a long time um it's not too hard it it glitches out a lot when you fight it with the firecrackers <laughs> yeah, if you use the the firecrackers on this thing it, it freaks out so yeah, I heard there's a way to give it a heart attack right from the beginning with the firecrackers. Yeah, you jump behind it and give it the firecrackers and go straight into the, the wall. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I think he needs to be put down. I think that's just something that needs to happen. Well, yeah, he's hundreds of years old. <laughs> I think he needs yeah. to go. Oh, my um, I think the fact that it's out there is it's just saying that, like, okay, this is another guard dog. This is another guard dog. But it's all they have after the corrupted monk falls because this is the only other way you can get a actually no there's two ways to get around it but the other one's very dangerous there's two ways around the manor but this is one of them that they obviously took into account because this thing is there Mm -hmm. but it's old and it's probably been there for a while it's probably as old as the you know the severed connection between ashina and the uh, okami so there's not too much to say about it. It's literally just the Blazing Bull, but like Fountainhead flavored. Yeah, it is a really good example of that. The blue coloration, the corpse-like uh, skin coloration that we were talking about, which evokes kind of like, you know, you're at the the Fountainhead. You're at the place where the waters come from, and yet you have this stagnation. You know, so it's maybe not a physical stagnation, but like a spiritual stagnation. So good. Anyways, okay. Let's let's keep going. What do we also cows are not revered quite as much as like a lot of religions in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like Hinduism. No, it's not like you know, because a lot of people when they see cows in religion or in religious settings, they just kind of say the sacred cow. Yeah, it's just it, it's a cow. <laughs> it's more of like, yeah, it's a cow. Back then, it was definitely used for more farm work rather than just meat. But they did, they didn't eat a lot of beef until probably like the 19th century. Um, while uh, boar, boar was really popular, mm. pig could be popular. I, I could possibly talk about Akabeko, which is a red cow. You've red seen the, cow. you might have seen these cows, they have little red bibs or they're, they're red themselves. Okay. It literally just means Red Bull. Is that where Red Bull comes from? Yes, I don't know. Um, It's supposed to be a ward against smallpox. Um, But, you know, they're just supposed to be um, protecting you from disease. So that that also could be why that cow is there, where it's like a little dragon rot um, medium. Mm. Um, And it stays off disease. So... Oh, kind of a sacrificial bull. Like they keep it around yes. because it's absorbing some of the mm-hmm. dragon rock. Wow. Correct. Okay, that's clever. Okay, so we 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 reach an end to the land and we need to go into the water proper. Uh, if we go one way, we are bombarded with lightning balls. So we go to the very, very left um, and we're able to uh, 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 swim across the waters, but we probably try to go across the bridge at first and we get our first glimpse of the giant cart. Yeah. And talk about human face. Talk about human teeth. This thing is very disturbing. Um, That occurs naturally in fish, though. What do you mean? 
the human teeth. Yeah. What do you know? What? Yeah. No, that's yeah. Sheep said sheep. Look, look, look up a sheep's head fish and sheep's what their teeth. Yeah, sheep's head fish and what their fucking teeth look like. And it's natural. It happens naturally. I'm not saying that's what's going on here, but it actually does happen in nature. They have vaguely human oh, teeth. God. It's very upsetting. Sheep's head are, are delicious, but they are upsetting to look at. Oh, my gosh. Very much so. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Why? Why does it have these? It doesn't. Mm, I know. Okay. You're, you're learning all the cursed knowledge today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like I'm really fucking up your day right now. <laughs> like, this is something that you're supposed to find on a cryptid forum. This is I not know. like a National oh, Geographic so bad. thing. Oh, my gosh. And some of them have, like, fucked up teeth. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And there there's, like, multiple rows. So it's, like, really. Like really people. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> this is terrifying. I mean, sharks have teeth, so it, it makes sense that yeah, some Yeah, but they're cool fish teeth. They're shark teeth. They're their own thing. Yeah, it's like just a big set of molars. Well, I guess they kind of have incisors in the front too. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So what we we find, let's talk about treasure carp and then let's talk about this giant carp. So we find treasure carp throughout the uh, land of Ashina mm-hmm. um, and they're very special. They are, they have beautiful scales that are prized by these pot nobles. They're beautiful. Koi, koi in general. So, so I love koi. Mm-hmm. I really do. Koi are such like weirdly intelligent animals mm-hmm. and they have a very long history uh, but they're they're usually called. I think the term for koi is nishiki koi. Okay. I mean, technically, they're just fucking carp, <laughs> which are <laughs> you know t- typically considered nuisance fish. Ah, okay. But they guess. Listen, guess where they originate from? Fucking China oh, <laughs> again. Oh god damn it! Of course they <laughs> do again. <laughs> yeah, magoi or nishiki koi. I can't fucking pronounce that. That sucks. Nishikigoi. There we go. I gotta put on the full fucking accent, which means brocaded carp and then magoi, true carp. So they have a very long history in Japan and they're considered very, they can be considered priceless in most places uh, during that time. They were very heavily associated with nobility because obviously it's like a hobby. (laughs) Okay. And oh, uh, yeah, peasants yeah, yeah. didn't have time for hobbies. So. Yes. And they lasted quite a while. Like they, they, they can r- live a very long time. They can live over a hundred years. Oh wow! There's actually a reported koi that lived 226 years. Stop. So it. they're very long-lived species. But they're cute. I, you know, I've met many, many koi. My my dad used to be really into fish, and he had a lot of friends who were into fish. So I I used to visit a lot of koi ponds, and they're they're weirdly intelligent. Yeah, there's like an intelligence behind their eyes. It's very gross that we see this big carp, but these treasure carp they're very pretty. Oh God, they're they're very pretty, and it yes. kind of sucks that you have to chase them down. But that is the thing; they see you, and they're like, "Oh fuck, I gotta get out of Um, I think we've talked about. And if we didn't, I, other videos have talked about it ad nauseum, the carp myth of the uh, jumping over the the dragon gate. But this carp, okay, so so there's a bunch of beautiful carp. The giant monstrous carp with, yeah. with the especially human teeth, does this have 
a story to go along with it? Is there a yes, it does. In fact, and that actually ties in with what's underneath the water. I see. Okay, so we're gonna go into the water. Let's let's talk about the water. Let's, let's right talk now. about underwater. Let's talk about the underwater denizens just briefly, because um, you know we'll go back to the above denizens. It's not too not too far from here. Mm-hmm. But so so the treasure carps they're all over Ashina, and they have a uh, the item description is a sparkling scale from a treasure carp to the average person. It is just a beautiful scale. But there are some who exalt a certain master who consider these scales among the most precious things in the world. Mm. For this reason, collecting them could be worthwhile. It's another form of currency for us. And we meet the pot nobles. Know about carp scales? The sparkling, shining scales of the treasure carp who like revere these carp we meet harunaga which is the one that is in uh hirata hirata and koremori which is the other one you meet you there if you ever happen across another part like mine ignore any requests he makes of you he's the shame of our clan he's a treasonous villain who attempted to kill the great carp for his own benefit and they're just like fucking obsessed with carp they are literally just nobles, like the palace nobles in pots, mm, which is okay. actually a place where some people would store carp oh. and transport carp. And carp, we've talked about how carp are the lesser forms of dragons, mm-hmm. where there's the myth of the carp ascending the waterfall, mm-hmm. where the carp kept trying to jump up the waterfall and eventually jumped over the dragon gate and became a dragon himself, mm-hmm. which is probably another reason why they're worshipped in some respect. It's like a faction of, you know, you see a lot of these quote unquote factions in the souls games where it's like, it stems from the main religion or whatever, but it's, it's not correct. So I'm trying to think of a good thing to equate it to. I would probably say instead of worshiping the sun and and Gwyn and that whole shtick, you worship the dragons instead. Mm -hmm. It's very similar. I think that because in the end you find that they want to be carp, being a carp is like the closest thing you can be to a dragon. You can ascend to be a dragon from that stage in mythology, Mm -hmm. but apparently not here. But the big boy is a person. It used to be a person. It's called the great colored carp. Mm-hmm. If you look at the art, it looks like a person. It's got a torso. It's got like a weird torso shaped body, as well as where it's possibly the person's arms used to be. You'll see this sort of like knot on the side of its quote unquote torso. Oh, like a missing tree limb. Yeah, and like a missing arm, which mm-hmm. also, you know, mm-hmm, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty important in most of this. It's just funny. It's just some of the, uh, just all the arm losing symbolism. Um, great carp, we find out are biologically immortal. Okay. However, we see their skeletons, meaning that they technically can be killed. Right, okay. So they just don't die of old age. But just like most stuff, you can murder them. Yes, it's possible that it... Well, it's definitely a former person, but you feed it 
slugs, which is disgusting. Nice. You see, I'm pretty sure we find a lot, most of the slugs in Mibu, but you can give him special slugs that kill it. <gasps> Phantasm slugs. Uh huh. Okay. What? It kills truly it. precious, truly precious bait. Okay. This is truly precious bait. If bait has hair, you know it's something truly special. The Fountainhead Palace noble in the pot is obsessed with becoming one with the master. Present mm. this bait to the master, the great carp. Offer it earnestly but quietly so no one knows. Mm. It's <laughs> um. It's just apparently there is an alternative item description. If um. He who receives the scales of the carp becomes closer to a carp himself. I bestow unto you my secret treasure. The treasure carp. The treasure. Okay. Um, it's destructive. Um, it could be one of the big reasons why half of uh, Fountainhead's underwater, besides <laughs> the entropy of the universe. But it doesn't attack you right off the bat. It swims past to let you know it's there first. <laughs> it it sure does. Uh, they're based on. It's based on the Sankey carp. Or Sanke, I think it's probably Sanke. I keep calling it Sanke for some reason, which is stupid. Okay. <laughs> it's really dumb. Sanke, <laughs> Sanke, Sanke car. Which, if you look up what they look like, they are very ornate. They're very beautiful. Mm-hmm. So they look a lot like this carp. Yeah, their markings are like picturesque. Yeah, Sanke koi. <laughs> They're also in the legend. I forgot they're in the Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, sort of. <laughs> Sanke Koi, Taisho Sanke. So, this carp is a former human, but it's not a dragon because everyone's trying to be a dragon, mm-hmm. which isn't, you know, obviously interesting as always. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not. It's, it's, it's always, it's always this. It's a dragon, but not sort of situation. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was a former palace noble or. You know who it was, but they're they're really fucked up. Mm-hmm. He has his own attendant. That looks like a palace noble. He's giant, massive boy. Um, mm-hmm. And he's technically, if you f- try to fight him, he's he's not hostile, but if you try to fight him, he's just like the, the chained ogre, but, you know, fountainhead flavored. Right, 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 right. He's got an extra fish I don't know seasoning. if I'd ever want to try anything fountainhead flavored. I feel like that'd be a hazard <laughs> to my health. I feel like it all tastes like fish and centipedes. Yeah, yeah. No, it tastes kind of f- vaguely fishy. <laughs> so... <laughs> He has his own attendant, and he tells you you can feed the master. So he has a master. Mm-hmm. Um, carp attendant was an actual position in nobility, but it was considered a very low position. You know, you weren't amongst the nobility. You were just like, yeah, you're the dude taking care of the carp. Right. You're still doing manual labor, but it's very special manual labor. Yes, it is. And you feed him the snails, mm-hmm. these, these slugs. Can I say something really stupid? Yeah. Trans is your trans is your carp. It trans is your carp. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> like, like, you know, trans carp, because like slugs are slugs can do that. Trans is your kind of like <laughs> the carp is trans. I'm sorry, what can slugs do to carp? Slugs change genders can change genders. So it's oh. trans is your carp. Oh, that's awesome. I know I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god, have... it has so many teeth. It's so upsetting to look at. So the fight, quote unquote, with the great colored carp 
is just like a little sneaky mission that you can technically just blaze through. Mm-hmm. But the arena is interesting because it obviously used to be like there used to be something in here. Mm-hmm. Like there used to be houses mm-hmm. and the lake probably came up to a certain point because it, it it is on stilts. So, but it's flooded. So it's, it's just, you're sneaking through. You don't want to get, get got by the carp because I think it's a one hit kill with the, this thing. Mm-hmm. And then you go through. And if you talk to the carp attendant and feed the carp, if you go through again, the carp won't hurt you because you fed it food. He's like, oh, that guy fed me. I he gave me my transing slugs. I, yeah, I he can trans- let him go. He tra- yeah, <laughs> he said. Tra- Wolf said trans rights. <laughs> so he, you know, he's friends with you. Now, if you go down deeper in the water, like really, really deep, mm-hmm. um, you encounter the the double headless fight, Yashariku. Yes, it's hard. It's a hard. Oh. Remember how I said that the underwater fights are easier? Mm-hmm. I lied. It's not. <laughs> well, one of them's easier. And this one, quite a bit more difficult because it's just you have two turrets shooting at you. Yes. So when you engage one, the other one is still shooting at you. It's hard to avoid, too, because yeah. they're like, let's say you have one shooting at you and then you're trying to hit the other one. But then you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to go for the next one. You you might have both of them shooting at you mm-hmm. or trying to consume your asshole. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The 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 reward for them is headless are the ruined form of corrupted heroes who once fought for their country as always mm-hmm. yashariko's sp- spirit fall this brave soul's twin was lost in utero he may not have fallen to the palace nobles had his sibling been at his side so if you guys don't know anything about twins in japan they're considered two halves of the same whole they're considered like basically not even like a whole person oh like they share a soul yes it is a and you actually see some of it in a elden ring where twins are not viewed very kindly they're considered cursed uh so this is another cursed twins motif this is a great fatal frame 2 reference Mm. that also deals with cursed twins like you know lots of that but this guy apparently probably was had the suck and then they cut off his head and threw him into the threw him into the water. Um, mm. But his twin soul was attached to him. Um, he didn't technically have like when his twin died in utero, he didn't have the ability to like absorb the soul. It was just he was born and then the twin died or you know, something like that, where they have not become one because this one twin has not died. Mm-hmm. But they haven't moved on. That's the worst part is they haven't moved on because they're upset uh, about their position where the fallen twin who was killed by the palace nobles didn't get a chance to live while the his regular life while the other twin that died in utero didn't even get to be born. So they're both upset. Right. So... It does technically mm-hmm. make sense that he's there. I just think that twin symbolism in Shintoism specifically is two halves of the same soul. Okay. I don't know. I just think everyone should play Fatal Frame 2. Okay. <laughs> um, fun fact. Solid advice. Back in the day before a certain edict happened in, in the 19th century, the twin that was born first was considered the younger, weaker twin. While the one that was born second was the... Or no. Yeah, no, that's correct. It's the weaker twin that was born first, and then the 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 stronger one that was born second. How bizarre! Because the twin that was in the uterus uh, politely 
allowed the the first twin to be born first. <laughs> you wouldn't be. No, you're weak. You go. Yeah, yeah. No, you go first. You won't be able to survive more in here. I will say I will read Yashiriku's sugar description, which is bite the candy and take the Yashiriku stance to impart its inhuman benediction. Mm-hmm. Forbidden at the temple, this candy was distributed far and wide in exchange for donations towards costly undying research. Huh. Ah. So they do not consume it in the temple, but they distribute it outside of the temple for monetary gain. It used to be. Yeah, it used to be. Okay. But it it has it increases your attack power mm-hmm. 25% vitality damage and 50% posture damage. Yeah, 50%. It's huge. But then what's the drawback? 50% of your health. Oh. Vitality, yeah, it decreases and your posture. For that matter. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't, I guess that's not as noticeable, but your posture meter will it's increased fill up twice to 45 seconds with the devotion skill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is um, those who demonstrate devotion are blessed with the protection of the gods for an extended period. Okay. So it just extends your your window for ass beating. This yeah. is a really risky item to use, um, but I love using it because it just helps dispatch shit really quickly. Um, but obviously, you have to be really good to use it. Yeah. But it does the same thing as the sugar. It just consumes spirit emblems instead. But it's it's eternal. So it's like technically limitless per three spirit emblems you have. It won't go mm-hmm. away. It's not a consumable in the sense that it will go away once it's consumed. Now, when we get down there, we find more ruins, which is eerie as fuck. And then um, you find skeletons of the carp. With centipede larvae in them. Oh, they're everywhere. That's bad, bad. Because if they're up there, then they're just fucked. It was either killed by the centipedes or it had inadvertently eaten the centipedes Mm -hmm. and killed by something else. Could be both. But that's those were former great carp. Now there's just this one who, when you feed it the truly precious bait, it dies. You actually find it in the the ape arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes all the way down the waterfall. It's interesting if you go underneath that waterfall, because it always talks about how this is the lowest point in Ashina. Mm-hmm. If you go in the waterfall pool, you'll actually see bits of debris from Fountainhead. Oh, that's so cool. Um, But you get the great white whisker. I've never gotten it. What does it do? Oh, yeah, I forgot you didn't do the quest. <laughs> it basically, you show it. I'm pretty sure you show it to the carp attendant to show him that his duty's over he doesn't need to watch over the carp anymore so he basically i killed your master go home it says while the great carp is naturally immortal if killed its whiskers can be plucked the sound of the whisker being removed is surely music to the ears of certain people some would feel relief at the sound of their mission being completed others the joy of having their hearts desired granted Mm. um so the relief is for the the carpet attendant Mm -hmm. because his immortal duty is finally over yes and you meet his daughters you meet one of his daughters mibu manor who warns you of this uh, of how shitty it is there. Young man, please be careful. The palace nobles have a craving for the vitality of youth. They can't help themselves. She's old. She looks old. I think it's applied she's not actually old. Mm-hmm. She's just had has had the youth sucked out of her. She had the suck that happened yep. to her. And then the nu- the other daughter is in the wa- is on a roof in the water. Mm-hmm. And she 
I don't remember if she talks about how dangerous it is or what, but she she sure does like tell you about how terrible this place is and just to be careful of the carp. And they're they're looking for her dad. You know, have you seen my son? Sort yeah. of energy. Aww. Also, the dad is bioluminescent. I just realized that. He's got bioluminescence to him. He's very like. Oh, yeah. He's been drinking the water. He's got corpse like. But he's wearing something that isn't like no. None of the other renewables are wearing, meaning that he's not got a uh, he's not very popular. Um, He's not a very important person in terms of nobility, but he does have like a servant's position. Mm -hmm. But yeah, carp are cool. The carp death leads to one of the pot nobles becoming a carp. Although I'm pretty sure it says they're not like a real great colored carp. They're just kind of like a false great colored carp, which lines up with the game because there's a lot of that going on. It's like, well, you're not really immortal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I I think that's really it for the carp. Okay. They're they're just like a cool currency and you get really cool shit from them. Oh, yeah. You can get, uh, uh, what is it? Two pieces of the dragon's mask from them. Yes, yes, correct. Which makes sense that they have it because they're originally from Fountainhead. Right, yeah, right, you get right. The, the You get the red gourd. You get floating passage. You get a lapis lazuli. Two of them. And you get a dragon's blood droplet and divine grass. I would like to talk about the divine grass very briefly because the... Um, it fully restores vitality and cures all status abnormalities. Mm-hmm. One small part of Ashina is exceedingly old. The ancient soil, rocks, and water that pervaded the land are said to have attracted the attention of the gods. The Dr. Dogen studied the plant in this ancient place, resulting in the recipe for this special medicine. Mm-hmm. Looks like a little tea tea resin, almost. Or like a little ration. If you've ever seen, seen like a shinobi ration, I don't remember the name of it, but there's a there's a cooking with history video on it and it's it's basically just like a ye old protein bar yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but it's in like a little ball form so it vaguely reminds me of that it's got a medicinal quality i will butcher this shit out of this but this reminds me of dia da wen i'm so bad at chinese uh dia da wen uh da wan they're like these little balls of Mm -hmm. uh medicine if you've ever seen Spirited Away, uh-huh. the little ball that Chihiro gives Haku, the medicine from the river spirit, it's very similar to that. Ah, uh, okay. So anyways, I just want to pop off about d- divine grass for no reason. <laughs> no, it's awesome. So it's like, it, it's an ingredient in ancient medicine. Uh, and and the the pellets that we can take are, are um, reminiscent of that same... Uh, yeah, the trauma ration, pills. Right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, old okay. trauma pill. That's a that's a really ancient method of like recovery. So okay, um, we haven't really talked about the wedding symbolism. There's a lot of wedding symbolism in Fountainhead. Wolf gets married because that's how you get there. You get there in a wedding palanquin. <laughs> if you go over to the carpet tendon and actually a lot of the ladies, you'll see two separate drums, ornate drums that was used in Gagaku music that have phoenix symbolism and dragon symbolism which represents men and women and marriage so so it makes sense like when when uh the phoenix and the dragon get together there's marriage Mm -hmm. (laughs) marriage is what brings us together today (laughs) the phoenix it's called in japan is called ho and it is the bird of the empress and the dragon is the 
the Beast of the Emperor, and you'll typically see them paired together. Okay. Meaning marriage. Sure, <laughs> More <sure>. marriage. <laughs> two so, two divine immortal beings that come yes, together. Yes, they're one of yeah. the four sacred beasts, so that makes sense. Oh, what are what are, do you know the other two off the top yes, of your head? Yes, yeah, the turtle and the tiger. Because they represent the four cardinal directions of uh, north, south, east, and west. Sure, sure. Fabulous. Okay, yeah, there is a lot of wedding imagery. And we're going to come across more of it when, uh, uh, right at the end there. there. The ladies, the Okami women, are on little Gagaku stages. A little bu- no, Bugaku stages. The Kamari, you meet the Kamari women for the first time. The the Kamari women with the balls, the Kamari balls. They have the little fountainhead sigil on them and they beat the shit out of you with balls. Okay, so let's talk about them. What what is Kamari? Kamari is like very, it's not really soccer. Similar. It's like uh, ancient soccer. Kind of like hacky Um, sack. Yeah, you kick it around to each other, you know, but it's a bigger, it's a bigger ball and Mm -hmm. it's, it's like keepy uppy. You know, just like hacky sack. Um, and it was a game for aristocracy, as always. Mm, okay. Um, Sam the samurai and the the chonin class. Mm-hmm. Which is like merchants and craftsmen. Um Chonin was a subordinate, but that was like um that was the Tokugawa period. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't very so it would be more like the warrior class really enjoyed it. So that makes sense that the Yokami women does it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's very physical. Yes. I, I just never imagined them turning it into a, ooh, they're going to beat the shit out of you with a soccer ball sort of situation. <laughs> it's very surprising because if you observe them from a distance, they're just like, it's almost like they're juggling. They're just having fun practicing Yeah, they're the just sport. very peaceful. You know, and that's kind of how you're supposed to play with it. You're supposed to play with the Kamari that way. And it's just interesting that they're able to peg it at you and take you out there it's interesting how it's another projectile support because they already have the archers but they mm-hmm. have these kamari people but archers at least are straight like straight shots this thing can curve yep and that makes sense because you can do that with balls oh yeah with the spin and everything yes sure yes. sure sure yeah, you can't do that with arrows but you can do that with balls yeah so the what strikes me about the okami women is their preservation of culture in this mm-hmm. area yes because the pot no or the nobles they're playing music some of them are like maybe vibing. meditating but they're just mostly vibing. just like hanging out but the okami women they're practicing the sport they are uh not only standing guard but they are dancing for each other performing these rituals they are keeping the culture alive mm-hmm. There's just so many little scenes with them that if you don't rush in and attack and aggro them, you can watch them uh, hang out, which is, I I don't know, like after you're done murdering everything in a game, it's so interesting to be able to go back and see these little scenes that someone programmed, someone put a lot of work into. They definitely have like almost their own culture. It is like a girl, girls only, no boys allowed sort of situation. That's right. No nobles Um, allowed. No boys allowed. Another thing about the design I wanted to point out was their hair. Very, very long hair, which was very popular at the time. The Heian period. Long, long hair. Never cutting your hair was a big thing for ladies in the Heian period. But they have little streaks of white in them, kind of like wolf, Mm. which, you know, can be sort of a symbol of not only their age, but ooh, they might be immortal. They're very bouncy. 
Yeah. I really like that about them. <laughs> do they wear masks or is yes, that they do. their face? Okay. No, they're their face, they have the fish face. The okay. They got that fish face going on. That 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 fucked up looking palace noble face. They also have those really long necks, which is like, okay, not really a dragon, but also a dragon. Yes. They're very bouncy. We got introduced to the Nagi Nada one though in Mibu Manor. But that one wielded lightning. That's your first lightning boy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or lightning girl. And she's wearing something different. She's wearing I the more ornate, more upkept. Yeah, the purple. Um, I'm pretty sure the the little symbols, I think they might be water clovers, which would make sense because you know, <laughs> water. Yeah. Oh, all over the pattern. Oh, all over the 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 fabric. Wow. Yes, yes. But it's uh apparently invasive oh the the actual plant water clover yeah it's mm. water <laughs> water clover but again it makes sense that there's water clover because it's the the water motif um but she is able to wield lightning easily and without stripping <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the placement of you said they have very little metal on them yes um like their armor is specifically not metal or has only minimal metal on it but you said they have these they're all wearing these crowns these like golden colored crowns yeah that's that was a that's a very popular like feminine warrior motif in Mm. the heian period um these purple ones actually have noble hats on them they have little noble hats um so it could just be um indicating their rank or they could actually be part of a more noble family but they're they are wearing hats so Mm -hmm. the weapons that they have are all very ornate i mean because they're working for nobles that makes sense because they would outfit them with very very gaudy very gaudy things Mm -hmm. but the naginatas are super duper ornate. They like have gold plates on them. So it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. I like it. I like how they're designed. Oh, agreed. And all that gold, you know, gold sometimes, uh, uh, and maybe I'm just thinking of Elden Ring, but gold is sometimes uh, uh, synonymous with lightning, like with yes. as this not transient metal. That's not what I mean. But like it's a, you know, it, it it's a very malleable metal. You can change its form and in the same way that lightning you know flows like water almost so i wonder if the the uh the gold on their head is supposed to be like that's the proper way to direct lightning like it comes in at a point you want to draw it in much like spiritual energy you want to draw it in through your the crown your your uh your mind's eye and then let it flow through your weapon yeah they are fucking cool they're one of my favorite designs in the game um especially the naginata variety which because like they can be very overwhelming when you first uh fight them but their movements especially the lightning is just so flowy and ornate and there there's that one scene you can come across where most there's several of them sitting or 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 lounging around watching a purple one do this like sakura blossom dance it's it's just beautiful I mean, I also think that they are representative of this fierce feminine fighting style mm-hmm. because they, oh God, they come in packs. Mm-hmm. They're sc- They're kind of scary. Later on in the part of the Fountainhead where you're about to, uh, you're about to fight Shizu. Mm-hmm. That one where it's like, there's like 10 ladies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Cause they're all there watching this performance. Like, uh-huh. It- 
so beautiful. Yeah. And then just beyond them, you couldn't see her very well from a distance, but if you tried to go across a certain section of the water, you just keep being pegged with these lightning balls. I would love to be pegged by Shizu. <laughs> Shizu is the leader and she's got the whitest hair. Mm-hmm. She's got very white hair, which more than likely tells you she's quite old. Um, She's also got fish face going on, mm-hmm. but she's got the lightning Kamari. She's not hard. In the least, <laughs> she's got, oh, she's also got the Magatama again. Um, She's got three Magatama on her, on her necklace. She doesn't have very ornate. It's, she looks pretty normal. She just has a lot of purple going on, but she, she's on that really big Sakura tree. Yeah. And she's the only one that can imbue the Kamari ball with lightning. So it's cool that there's something that sets her apart as the leader of the, the clan. It must take a lot of skill to in- involve your soccer ball <laughs> in lightning shenanigans. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're coming into the tail end. We only got a couple more to talk about. We can come across a unique variety of lizards here. Yeah, the cum lizards. The cum lizards. The holy cum lizards. What? Yeah. What's unique about these lizards? Or what can you tell me about these lizards? Uh, they spit shit at you. But if you do bestowal ninjutsu, they restore your health. Uh, and even if you do the blood mist ninjutsu on them, the 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 mist will will heal you as yeah, well. Yeah, it'll restore your health. <laughs> it's so weird, right? Uh, okay, so there's not much about them, but just because they are around the palace, they are drinking the waters like everything else. They have this healing quality. Yes. They have this divine uh, adjacency. Because um, even th- them, you know, white lizards, they're kind of similar to the white the snakes. They're kind of similar to the dragon. They're like diminutive versions of it they're just they're unique to this area which is interesting because it's like the first unique lizard mm-hmm. okay so we have dealt with the boss we've we've outsmarted the fish or or appeased the fish appeased the fish we've seen this beautiful uh, uh dance scene but there's one more scene before we get to our boss and that's we have to go around the backside. We open up uh, the palace's uh, uh, highest room, this secret chamber. And what is happening inside, Mimi? The red nobles, which is the first time you see them, they're they're eating the Okami women, which is fucked. Because right. so so when you approach the door that's not locked, or no, mm-hmm. it's on, it's it's locked. Mm-hmm. You hear some like slurping sounds, which is like mm, a little oh. sus, but okay. Um, and then you. You go in there and they're not even, they're just ignoring you. They're just eating the Okami woman until you get to the second chamber. And then they definitely notice you, but they're weak. They're not, they don't have the ability to, to give you the suck as far as I know. And they're, remember how I said the, the blue nobles look like semi-healthy. They're mm-hmm. like bioluminescent, yada, yada. Yeah. These ones are sickly. They're very, very sickly. And they're definitely not like sentient. They don't really have any sense of sentience anymore. It's kind of like with the marriage aspect that we talk about, the concept of like women giving up themselves to men, whether it was the nobles and men, because ladies back then didn't have the capacity to say yes or no to a marriage. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that whole chamber right there, that's like a the bridegroom bride and bridegroom's chamber mm-hmm. you know maybe they these ladies were offered like oh yeah you get to ascend mm-hmm. 
you know, you got to ascend and, you know, obviously not, they were eaten. And, and it's, it's been talked about before that these ladies or no, that the nobles will trick other, other people into serving them. Mm -hmm. Like the carpet attendant who Mm -hmm. actually was like promised to be like, oh yeah, you can join us in the palace, you know, yada, yada, but obviously not in the way he was expecting because when you open the doors to this place and come back, like if you rest, the daughter of the one of the daughters of the carpet tenant is killing the the nobles. You, you beasts! You tricked him all this time. Nobility, this and eternity, that. Pretty lies to fool him. Give him back, father. And saying, Mm -hmm. you promised him immortality, this nobility, that. So they have no problem just straight up lying. Oh, also, I just I just remembered that there's only one other Okami woman who uh, wields lightning on her Kamari. And it's the one that's right outside the divine dragon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, they have they have a spear. They have a spear. They have a sword and a Kamari lightning wielder. But it's obvious that it's a very like hard position to attain so mm-hmm. um it's a unique position to attain because it's the only other one anyways this is a whole marriage chamber because you'll go further into this house mm-hmm. and it's there is a a palanquin right yeah. yeah no no it's not a palanquin it's actually just like a wedding um setup like a canopy um where you would consummate a marriage oh okay interestingly enough in the that chamber there's old dragons of the trees on the on the partitions mm. that's like the first time not the first time you see them but it's like hmm sure it's suspicious that i keep seeing these things <laughs> everywhere <laughs> there's a lot of plants in fountainhead that are just technically they're they're all symbolic because there's holly plants which are are sacred in shintoism they're they're they mark sacred spaces and protect your house and holly plants are all over the front of the Fountainhead Gate. They're also growing very close to the Divine Dragon. Mm. Um, and the Wisteria Tree, which is not a good thing, it's it's a parasite, is underneath underneath the Wisteria Tree is the Pot Noble. And it's the only Wisteria Tree in Fountainhead. So a lot of interesting choices being made. Yeah. The horrifying scene of the, the nobles eating the Okami woman, it's like the culmination of this parasitic cannibalistic thing like these are the people keeping you safe and you you're so far gone and so at the end of your humanity that you can't stop yourself from consuming even them right it just goes to show they're really not above anything Mm -hmm. they're already kind of monstrous to begin with so the fact that they're desperate enough to like preserve their whatever youth they have left it's not even really worth it because it's just like you're just eating ladies but it is just kind of like how in marriage like women especially back then women gave up a lot yeah and and you know it's a visceral uh example of the consumption of uh female labor female and especially female bodies um which is you know an ever-present uh, uh theme that we need to keep an eye on in society yeah and especially with the warriors here it's just like how easily they can be thrown away because mm-hmm. they're just con- again they're just considered like bodies mm-hmm. to protect the nobility uh, you know the men with so it's interesting how they e- were able to even inject that in uh into this 
game as well as this far into the game. Oh yeah. Well, and it it it's a culmination of a theme, the the absence of female energy in the story. You know, like you do have some female characters, but there's a hole there where there should be more female presence, more female power, you know, specifically with Tomoe, but like throughout the game. Uh, and yeah, I think that this is the the thesis statement on that theme. Also, Wolf gets married once again. He's getting married. <laughs> Congratulations to him. OK, so we we deal with these last three uh, uh, Okami women. And we ascend the uh, uh, this mountainside up to a peak. And what do we find at this peak? Well, we do follow a ton of Tory gates up there. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very clear that we're entering a very sacred space because all of a sudden we, uh, lightning will touch down right outside. The ambiance is lightning. Okay. <laughs> so, we're, and the water is now traveling down the steps. So it's like, I think I've talked, I don't know if I've talked about this or not, but you're not supposed to t- pass through the center of Tory gates because that's where the gods right. pass you through. You need to leave space for them. Yep. And so the water passing through the middle makes sense because the water is coming from the dragon. And you reach this cave. There is a really famous, like the most famous cave myth in Japan is when uh, Amaterasu hid in a cave. And, you know, if Amaterasu is the sun, like the sun hiding in a cave means like nothing can grow and nothing, nothing can fuck, you know, stuff Mm. like that. So they lured her out with titties and dancing. So it also makes sense as to why the ladies down there are dancing as well now, because it's kind of like, oh, Amaterasu, the god in the cave. You know, we ah, can get the god to come out by dancing. So okay, no, literally, uh, they were she was lured out by titties, <laughs> dancing titties. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a sacred space, sacred space, and the cave that Amaterasu is supposed to supposedly have come out of is still around. And is a sacred spot, obviously. If you look it up, it's very, it's a little eerie to look at. It's got Shimanawa, like rope all around it, kind of like the cave in Sekiro. I think it's called Amano Iwato. Amano Iwato. It just means the cave where Amaterasu hid. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's just this big fucking cave with the Tori gate in it, but it was sealed with a rock. Anyways, this is the very tippy top. And we walk into the cave and there is a pool of water and off a little ways further is a rock with vines, flowering vines on it. And there's a lady sleeping on the rock. She's called uh, Miko. She's called the Miko. So the shrine maiden. And I'm assuming she is the bridge between the divine realm and the regular world because a lot of Miko would be used as spiritual mediums, as ways of connecting the spirit world to our world. So she might not actually be dead. She's just technically in a trance or she's mm-hmm. just acting as the bridge or the catalyst. She's wearing old clothing. I mean, like this kind of clothing you wouldn't see in the Heian era. You would see it more like... Would it be the Jomon? It sounds like the is it Jomon period? Because shamanism and animism was really, really popular back then. Mm-hmm. Um, back in like ancient Japanese history. Kofun. It's the Kofun period. Uh-huh. 
Um, and that was like 380. So she, she's been there for a long, long time. She has a little crown. She has a little crown of wooden flowers. There's also like little offering baskets that have obviously not been, they've been there for a while and the cave itself has not been attended to. It's just kind of overgrown. Mm-hmm. Even the offering, the offering plinths have the uh, moss growing on it. Mm. It just kind of shows that it's no longer about worshiping the divine dragon. It's just more about immortality. So they've kind of lost the the central tenets of the faith and are really more working on what it can do for them rather than the uh, their own place in the the cycle of things. Yes, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's just it's been corrupted. It's just it's now it's just heretical heresy but this is obviously a very very old structure pointing to the fact that this is like a very ancient place mm-hmm. so the the dragon may be the new god uh, in order but it has been here for a long time yes technically it's been okay. there for a while not as long as the snakes right of course Shamanism was actually the most popular in closer to the Yayoi period, which was right before the Kofun period. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Queen Himiko. I have not. Queen Himiko was a very famous shaman queen of Japan back in the Yayoi period. So, yeah. Anything about her or just she's maybe she's being invoked here? She she was very famous um, in terms of. Like she, I think she was the only, was she? The, I don't know if she's the o- only woman queen or the empress of Japan. She doesn't have too many sources. Probably all destroyed by her uh, male uh, uh, successors. <laughs> yes. And a lot of the sources come from China because they call her the Queen of Wa, which is the Chinese name for Japan. Oh. But she, a lot of the sources come from that, but there still are Japanese or- sources, obviously, that come up in the Kojiki and the Nihon Shoki. Um, but she, you know, she was basically a proto, proto Miko is the best way to put it, but she was like a shaman queen. Mm. Um, she's very popular in uh, Japanese culture. Yeah, she reminds me of uh, uh, there's a pre Roman uh, British queen, uh, Boudicca. Um, that that serves a, a similar position in their yes, history. Yes, correct. Very similar. But she she has a lot of interesting images of her where, you know, you have a lot of the traditional ones where it's more historically accurate, which her garb is vaguely Chinese. Okay. Um, it's got a lot of Chinese influence, but you can actually see where the um, influence of Himiko came to this Miko design. Mm. Um, anyways, uh, that's where you go to do a little little praying time and you're able to commune with a divine dragon. Okay, so there's this symbolic marriage. Um, and you also, I do love this stage setting. Like, one, the fight with the divine dragon, it's less a fight and more of like a ritual, like a, a dance, almost communicating with it or showing it that you know the proper steps. But also, you know, it's a divine dragon. Like, you get to see a lot of things that are close to dragons, the Okami women, the nobles, the the carp, um, the snakes. But there's only one dragon in the game, and it is fully divine. It does not have a physical presence in the realm. 
No. The only way to commune with it is mentally, is spiritually, is to come up to this divine realm, which is like literally in the class. Yes. And the only aspect that we have of it, like the literal piece of it is the ever blossom. Mm-hmm. And this thing doesn't even survive that long. I mean, it, it's basically cluing you into like divine things can't survive outside of the divine realm for long. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. The, it's physical. It's tied to the physical world. Um, and symbolically, its body is the Sakura tree, right? The ever blossom. Yes, it's connect. It's it's connected. It's one and the same, which is kind of a contradiction in terms, right? Like it's an ever blossom. It's always blooming. It's always springtime in uh, what do you call it? in Fountainhead. Mm-hmm. But Sakura trees specifically are this manifestation of Mononoaware. They are a temporary thing, uh, uh, a sign that you need to enjoy what's happening while it's happening, and then you know go on with the cycle. Yeah, it's just a it is a good symbol of how fleeting life is and that it should be enjoyed, as you said. So it existing for such a long time is a problem Mm, because the first things we encounter in the divine realm is not the actual dragon itself, but it's these old dragons of the tree, Mm -hmm. which I believe are palace nobles that actually made it but again they're not actual dragons they're not real dragons but they're also symbolic of the rot of the the tree yes you know you could see the the black ones as the healthy ones that are in soil and they look good but then the 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 white ones are the ones that look like rot it looks like mold it looks like you know they're coughing up poison they're heaving it represents the dragon rot so they might be half symbolic half like ooh, they're they're real Mm -hmm. but i believe that they're you know they they probably are real and they they might they're probably the the nobles right but again they're not full dragons they just managed to get here but they're not a dragon like they're not the dragon right they're not fully tree so so in a way this first part of the fight you're almost doing the dragon a favor or you are you know, acting as gardener, you are d- removing these old, sickly white dragons, the weeds in the garden, and they are being replaced by the next generation. You know, the you're allowing the cycle to move on. They're like semi controlling the tree, like they'll play the their little flute and then mm-hmm. they'll they're able to control like the roots. Yeah. Oh, well, the symbol of that is so great, right? Because they're like subverting the dragon they're subverting the power of the tree yes but we do kill them yes got to clear them away we do because it's important um and we leave the healthy black ones behind which is which is interesting cuz like a lot of plant diseases i see do render plants black mhm like especially like trees trees can rot and turn black or they can dry up and turn just like the same color of the sickly ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that white, um, like a that dead tree. Pale. It's like the color Ugh. of a yeah. It's like the color of a dead tree. But yes, we we weed out the shitty dragons, and they kind of s- like start bowing and to the tree that looked dead. It did look very dead, and lightning strikes, and the divine dragon is summoned, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's got a great. I think they have a great entrance. Um, the divine dragon. 
Well, because you've been looking at the Sakura tree in the background as you fight these uh, white blossoms and it becomes the dragon. It's just, uh, it's this beautiful transcendence or, 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 or uh, transubstantiation kind of. Yeah. Tr- so dragons in Eastern mythology, I know we're very used to like Dark Souls dragons, mm-hmm. um, but dragons in Eastern mythology are not beings of fire. They're beings of water. Mm. Uh, they're considered benevolent. They're considered smart. Um, you have to treat them with respect. And there's different variations depending on where they come from because China has three-toed dragons and in Japan it's five toes. This dragon has four. Oh my gosh. So he's somewhere in between. Yes. Um, they're called lung dragons. It's modeled after an Asian lung dragon. Oh, like a lungfish. No. <laughs> no. No, it's spelled L-U-N-G, but it's pronounced lung. Lung dragon. They are male symbols. They're, they're, they're big male symbols. Okay. And they're symbols of royalty and nobility, specifically of the highest. This dragon... I mean, it's a beautiful dragon, but it's kind mm-hmm. of fucked up when you mm-hmm. look at it. It's got a big tear in its chest, like it's rotting from yes. within. It's also missing its left arm. We see un- see another arm missing, specifically the left arm. Yes. Which is very similar to Wolf with his missing left arm. And it also is symbolizing the tree branch that Takadu took off. He also has a little scarf like Wolf. Very translucent, thin scarf. Like a piece of fabric that's around his neck. Oh, I never noticed that. That's so cute. Isn't it great? And the gash on its chest is uh, maybe symbolic of the uh, the cut that Kuro gives himself uh, uh, with the mortal blade, right? Yes, okay. um, except it's massive, obviously. <laughs> right, right, um, right, right. It has very fish-like skills, mm. but oriental dragons are like that, so that makes sense, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they are water-based. Um, it's also wielding this game's version of the Moonlight Greatsword. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so great. great. You're like, oh, it's there's no Moonlight Greatsword in Sekiro. And you're like, yes, there is. You just don't get to use it. <laughs> now, listen to this. Koreans say they're called Mang dragons in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, they have four toes. Ah, okay. So that, that points towards this dragon, its home being in the West, points pretty specifically to it be coming from Korea without outright stating it well it makes sense because it's wielding a very famous japanese weapon called the shichishito you see it everywhere you will see this thing everywhere the shichishito is a weapon that was gifted from japan or gifted to japan from korea but it was forged in china interesting so it's a chinese artifact Gifted to Japan by way of Korea. Yes. That that explains everything. It still exists today, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's Shichishito literally means seven branch sword because there's mm-hmm. seven branches. Just um, like the Shichi men. Yeah, the Shichi men. And it's not on public display, but it okay. still exists, apparently. It's like an imperial treasure, right? Is it still yes. like in a palace? It's it's not considered one of the imperial regalia, but it's a very important treasure to Japan. Okay. So it ha- having this really, really big shishishito is interesting because it's a symbol, you know, it's a big nobility symbol as always. Mm-hmm. But it's also the like great because <laughs> we don't get that in this game. The divine dragon gets it though. <laughs> yeah, the closest thing we get is a uh, one of the combat arts you get 
Dragon Flash, maybe. Uh, I think that's the one you can project a uh, kind of a wind blade with your slash. But yeah, this is this glows. It's got it's much more resembling the Moonlight Blade than just your combat art. The whole translation for this dragon is I think it's Sakura no Ryu, Ryu, which is Sakura dragon, which makes more sense because it's like the dragon of the Sakura, the cherry tree, you know, but it's a good fight. It's not. I, I guess you could file it under gimmick fight, but it's good. It's good. It's like it's like a little dance. You're like doing a little dance with him. It's yes, almost like exactly. a sacred ceremony. It feels like very ethereal. And, you know, your your goal is not to kill it. Your goal is to get stab right into its tear ducts. <laughs> yes. And it like when you hit it with the lightning, it does do these big reactions as if you're hurting it. But like lightning is the medium of this thing like that is the divine messenger right so like it's like you said it's not really a fight it's really a dance to show the dragon that you know what's up that you are skilled enough or or divine enough in your own right you're worthy of it yes exactly and that's why you know and that's why when you get the tears from the end that's why the sword is called gracious gift of tears right yes also notice how it has um well it's missing one arm but it's got four it should have four arms ah much like the palace nobles yes i think it actually might be more than four arms but it's it's got definitely it definitely has usable arms that's for sure it has two mm-hmm. three usable arms yeah, no, it's just forearms. But yeah, it's like the pal- palace nobles. This is the epitome of, oh yeah, this is a god. This is also the epitome of animism because it's like, it is a god, but it also is the tree. Mm-hmm. That, that duality of being. Like, it's not like yes. this symbolizes this. It's like, no, they are one and the same. I think the soundtrack to this this fight is is probably one of Yuka Kitamura's best works. Yeah, I, I think so. I think she just like knocked it the fuck out of the park with this. I'll steal it and put it in the background. That's fine. <laughs> it's a really epic soundtrack, and it's just got so many motifs in it. You'll hear a lot of characters in this show. In, in the show, haha. In this game, have specific instrument motifs. So Wolf typically has like. The shakuhachi flute, you'll hear it in the beginning, or no, in the in the, in the menu. And Kudo has like a much higher pitch sounding flute. I can't remember the name of it, but um, both of those instruments are present in here as well as a violin, which can be symbolic of the divine. So it's just like you know, it's like a the culmination of your quest is right here. Mm-hmm. You're like, who are you? Who are you fighting for? You're fighting for your lord. Now this fight has two phases. Mm-hmm. I have admittedly died a little more to this than I have thought because it can get a little tricky when it comes to trying to avoid the slash but also wield the lightning because if he gets you while you while you're trying to get the lightning and you have the lightning in your sword mm-hmm. you've imbued the lightning in your sword but then he slashes you he'll knock you out of the sky which damages you and then you'll get shocked by the lightning which typically yeah. kills you <laughs> so yeah this this dragon has little tree horns which is cool also the teeth they're not like real teeth they're they look like little flower petals 
kind of goofy when you look at it up close. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a cute, I think it's a very pretty boss, but also, also oh yeah, there I go, boss. It has teeth, but also like surrounding its face look like little uh, flower petals. <laughs> pretty boss. <laughs> so Gracious Gifts of Tears is heavily localized, which it, it typically means prayer for a tear. Um, so you're uh-huh. basically uh, asking it very politely. You're manifesting reverence or worship and face a a divinity through a bower praying pose. This is not the killing God ending we were were expecting. This is more of a a reverence sort of thing. Oh, there's also an unused cutscene you guys should look up. I can actually put the, the title for it. He's saying very respectful things to the dragon asking for tears oh like there's a a cut piece of dialogue yes oh great dragon great dragon give me the tears i need to sever your immortality from the world perhaps bring you back to your homeland yeah it's interesting how like different parts of the different endings equal different things for the dragon Mm mm-hmm that's why I really like the Dragon's Return ending a lot, because it's like, it also like fucks over the nobles, which is great. We love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. The Okami women, they might be able to find a place in the world or accept their... They'll find employment somewhere else. Yeah, but the palace nobles, they're done. They uh, Once they're not in power with this power trickling down from the dragon, that's it. Yeah, what a, be- what a beautiful design for a um, a boss, though. Yes. And and tying it to the mechanics, right? Like you don't just run up and slash at it with your sword. You don't yeah. interact with a god that way. Look at this goober. It's got oh very soft eyes. He's just he's just Falcor. He's just a big old luck dragon. He's like, oh, fuzzy dragon that's rotting from within. Yeah. Please don't put lightning in my face. <laughs> <laughs> please be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lots of rivers and lakes and bodies of water have have associated dragons mm. or serpents of some sort so which makes sense because this is like it's fountainhead right it's the source of the waters yes and a lot of the dragon kami within japanese mythology are in charge of water like the dragon king um i'm pretty sure he lives in the dragon pl- yeah the dra- dragon king lives underwater rain dragon because he causes all the rain mm. and then you have a dragon that actually has exceptional eyesight so that's riryu that's one in charge of eyesight which makes sense because the okami women okami mm-hmm. means wolf but it also means dragon so okami women means dragon women mm-hmm. but yeah this is a great fight and this is a very intelligent being it probably understands at least something of what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and it's unique right like there are no other boss fights that are like this it, the closest thing is like dealing with the carp or the the snake in that there's no direct combat you have to go through these steps to appease what the fight you know quote fight wants from you which is like in a game that is full of high intensity dance combat it's nice to have something that's a little bit more free flowy and a little bit less just at your throat constantly 
or the uh, or the Elden Beast that just ripped off half of its fucking moveset. You know, yeah. more of that. You know, <laughs> Elden Beast is like this, but as a direct combat fight. Shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> and it doesn't feel as good because like when no. the elder beast repositions itself a mile away from you and you're like yep. hey i don't have my horse dude like come fight me it's yeah. that's a level of frustration that you don't have to deal with in this fight because this is set up in a much more ceremonial manner he's just a silly little goober we, ju- we just want to f- f- ride him into our own never-ending story. He just, like, I just can't get over the fact what this thing looks like when you just, like, take it out of the arena. It just looks like a little guy. He just doesn't look real. <laughs> just, just a little dude. He's great. Is he missing an eye? It looks uh, like in the concept art, In the is. concept art. Okay. In the concept art. Um, But I don't think he's missing an eye in the game. Right, which and maybe that's something they chose to get rid of because it would tie him thematically to Owl, um, which uh, no time to Ishin. Oh, right, Ishin too. And, They're both and or eyes, Owl, right? yes, yeah. both. <laughs> which makes sense because that's kind of it in this game. It becomes a sign of the patriarch, right? Like uh, uh, Ishin and Owl are both acting as fathers, heads of family. Uh, okay, well, the dragon, excellent set piece. It's a beautiful area. It is a reward to you for struggling through so many uh, combats, so many bosses. Like, you know, it's not without its dangers, but the Fountainhead Palace, I really see as a reward for the player. Like this beautiful vista, this place to explore that's familiar yet alien. It is is connected to Ashina, but it is its own place. Mm Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of a better peak to the game. And of course, it is not the conclusion of the game, but like a lot of From Software games, you get the climax, the the emotional peak of the game, and then you must deal with the aftermath of it. Right. And this is like, well, I'm sorry, this is not an emotional peak of the game. This is like the spiritual peak of the game because we've already dealt with Killing Owl, which is kind of Wolf's own emotional peak. And so the game must go on. Uh, and we really enjoyed spending our time here. But next time we're going to talk about Ashina Castle Part 3. Ashina's last stand. The last stand. Yes. Ashina on fire. God damn it. Um, okay. So any any last thoughts on the Fountainhead Palace or the dragon itself? I really like the idea of a city corrupted but like water themed i don't think we like yarnum obviously is a city corrupted but blood themed yeah the closest thing in bloodborne is uh the fishing hamlet and and cause with the parasites and this giant white uh body washing up on shore is similar thematically to the dragon but yes. obviously we're seeing the dragon alive and cause is already passed in some way when we encounter her um elden ring has landell landell is a is definitely like this ooh, a city corrupted sort of place yes i really love motifs of water and water washing shit away um as well as water Doing besides washing things away, causing things to rot and become damaged, and the fact that nothing can really stop water when there's enough of it from destroying things. It's just cool that they employed that, especially with the sunken part in the middle. 
but I, I think it's it's definitely like my favorite FromSoft area overall. I can gush about it all day. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I didn't think about this before, but water as synonymous with time, right? Like the inevitability of time, the the wearing away factor of eons passing on the landscape. And also yeah. that, it, you know, in terms of the immortality imagery, you can pool time, you can extend a period, an age, a life, but ultimately, if you pool it, it's going to get that kagari, that stagnation, that yes. and and things will never stay forever. Like that water, that time, it will move on in the flow eventually. Yeah. It's got a lot of color to it too. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful area. I, I always look forward to it when I go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody, anybody listening to this and enjoying it, use this as your excuse. Go back, play Sekiro again, fucking spend some time in the palace, you know, wipe out everyone in the area and then just spend some time looking at things because there's so many beautiful we covered a couple of them the little shrine the uh uh the place where they're dancing but there's just it's so intricately laid out it's beautiful okay pen pen pals I am actually making one more attempt to have a closer look at the divine dragon because I think it is actually missing an eye. <laughs> you just you just never look at it long enough. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, I think it actually might be missing an eye. Oops. Oops.